Hi, I'm Jack Cush with Room Now. In this podcast, I want to tell you a story of faith. It's the story of what I did during COVID. We all know what we were doing. It was quite an experience, was it not? And while I'm quite proud of many of the things that happened in the three years since COVID, in the first three months, four months of COVID, my life was dominated by one event. Yeah, I went to clinic, I rode my bike, I climbed stairs, but I really only was focused on one thing. And it was the story of Jessica, the nurse, who met my best friend from elementary school, high school, and for life, Larry Kelly, when he was admitted to the hospital with COVID in March of 2020. Jessica is an ICU nurse at Mount Sinai Morningside Hospital in New York City. She was working, doing her usual shifts as the lead nurse in an ICU. You know, ICUs are crazy, and Jessica is one of those people who's the, the master um, of the ship, the chef in the kitchen, the, the calm in the storm. You know, she has been there, done it all. And March was another month. Usually they had beds, and all of a sudden things changed. Mid-April, actually mid-March, they went from having, you know, extra beds to having no beds. Of course, what was on everyone's mind at the time was COVID. It was taking over. It was starting to dominate. The emergency rooms were full of patients. The ICUs were quickly without space, without materials without staff so they went from having six empty beds one night to having no beds and six extra gurneys in the hallway the next one of those patients was my friend Larry who Jessica took in as an inpatient she was um, surprised by this man because on one hand he was in severe respiratory distress he had the contracted COVID uh, in the few weeks prior um, and became progressively sick over a week. Um, Initially went to a walk-in clinic, sent home. Next day ended up going back to the hospital, was admitted and went straight to the ICU. He's one of those patients who on one hand was joking and flirting and on the other hand was absolutely panicked. Jessica said that he was forever memorable because he was different. He had a confidence about him, but he worried, um, and his eyes showed nothing but fear. Of course, Larry could only see um, Jessica's eyes because she was in full PPE, um, and he described it as a, a spacesuit, and He could only say to this mask and eyes, are you going to take care of me? Please take care of me. What's going to happen to me? And again, she reassured him. She did the job, uh, supported him. She went home after checking him in that night and came back two days later, and he was then on a respirator. He went downhill real quick. And what ensued was usual ICU Um, disaster, you know, hypotension, severe bilateral pneumonias, um, hypoxia, 
you know, worries of cytokine storm. And, of course, they knew what the cause of this was, but they didn't know how to treat it. There was no effective therapy at the time. Other than respiratory support and cardiovascular support, the only thing they could do was protect themselves from these infected patients. And it was really quite uh, a war scene because all of them um, saw more deaths than than they had possibly seen in any recent era, you know, that patients were coming in, dying, coming in, dying, coming in. And it was unusual that people lived. And when they did, the outcomes were not good. And again, what are we going to do? So what does she do? She did the job. She did what all of the ICU staff did. They supported the patient as best they could while they, you know, dealt with spiking fevers, scary labs, um, lungs that were whited out and, you know, and trying to explain what hypotension and being unresponsive meant to the family. This was horribly shocking to the family. They didn't know what to do. Of course, they called me, I'm their family friend, and and I called the hospital and talked to many of the nurses, many of the doctors, um, and they were all... um, very concerned and very helpful. But what I heard as an experienced health professional was absolute terror in the voices of everyone I spoke to. I mean, they were beaten down. They were like in the middle of saving Private Ryan, landing on the beach of Normandy. There was no way out. There was no end to this disaster. They sounded like they hadn't slept in days. And every conversation I had, whether it was with a resident or an ICU attending or a nurse practitioner who was volunteering from the Carolinas and went up to New York City to help out, they all did their best, but they all sounded so drained, so beaten. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to them, asking them how they're doing, trying to help them by sending them, you know, some pizza or ice cream or something like that. Um, But the thing that stood out to me was there was one nurse who sounded different and that was this nurse Jessica she was in control she kept it together she was the encouraging one she was the one who communicated with the family communicated with me freely she was the one who was thankful and optimistic and and it was really quite amazing to talk to this person in the midst of the first month of COVID in New York City, where there are more deaths going on per day than anywhere else in the world. So I was able to communicate with the staff, tell the family what was going on, get a day-by-day, play-by-play account of the disaster that was occurring. What was happening? Well, He had horrible pneumonias that weren't resolving despite being intubated and on high levels of PEEP, high levels of oxygen. He, you know, was unresponsive, unresponsive to pain. He was seizing. He had, you know, brain bleeding. It was just all bad. It was horribly bad. Um, So bad that, you know, the family was told he's probably not going to survive. I like to be an optimist, but I had to tell him the same thing. But went on. What went on in the background with the family and Larry's 8 million friends, because he truly has 8 million friends, 
was a tremendous amount of prayer, concern, and big thinking. Not like we hope he lives. But no, the big thinking was he's going to leave the hospital because that's what Larry does. He's one of those guys. He's a survivor. He's stronger than everyone else. He's going to leave the hospital. He's going to leave the hospital as smart and as funny and as verbose, um, as much as a a raconteur as ever. He's not going to have brain damage. He's not going to die. And that's what we assumed was going to happen. So he went, unfortunately, from ICU to ICU, from different unit to different unit. And Jessica struggled to stay in touch with this man um, and lost sight of him after about five weeks in the hospital. It was amazing he had lived five weeks, but again, he was still not doing well. You know, he had actually received a number of the newer medicines, and I think that they were one of the first people to do proning and talk about ECMO and other things. But, you know, other patients came and gone, but Larry persisted. Even though it didn't look like he would live, he did seem to persist. But, you know, March was gone, April was gone, and Jessica lost sight of him. And then sometime in June, you know, I was following Larry's progress and transfers to different units. Um, And it was always, you know, two steps forward and three steps back kind of things. But something changed. And the big change was that Larry lived. And it really was a miracle. Sometime in June, I called Jessica on the phone and said, Hi, do you remember me, Dr. Cush? She says, oh my God, Dr. Cush, yes, I remember you. What happened to Larry? Where is he? Is he alive? And you could tell she was incredibly apprehensive. And I paused. Really, it was an emotional pause because I I knew she cared. And I said, oh yeah, he's alive. He's back to being that talkative, flirtatious person who now wants to run the ICU. He wants a remote control. He wants to know what happened in the last three months, what he missed baseball season. You know, again, a man who shouldn't have lived is now living and living large, even though he just got extubated uh, after 50 plus days and of being on on a respirator and after 40 plus days of being in a coma. She was shocked. She was speechless. Um, He went from being gravely ill to probably being in the grave to now being sort of the light of her day, the light of her, you know, family's life, my life. It's an amazing story. He has since then been called Miracle Larry. He's been written up in the New York Times and Newsday and been on multiple TV networks. Larry did, in fact, wake up with full mentation. He did walk out of the hospital. He, in fact, walked out of the hospital, and they wheeled him down Amsterdam Avenue, some 10 or 12 blocks to his home, to a crowd and an entourage of people yelling, Miracle Larry. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable story. So... Again, I think that I tell you this story because 
Larry gets to tell his story on Saturday at Room Now Live. He's going to tell you the story of COVID-19, Miracle Larry, and Invictus. That's going to happen Saturday afternoon at 5.15 Central Time. You know, I, this is a story of faith, the faith of those hospital workers and Jessica. You know, they do the job every day, and, you know, ICU work is not easy. It's full of disappointment and heartache. But they keep doing the job, and they have faith that what they do will end up in positive outcomes in a few, and that's what's worth it. And you would see that in, you know, in the early days of COVID, there would always be these news reports of some one patient who survived after 30 days, 40 days, 60 days in the hospital. And they'd wheel them out through an entourage of hospital workers, all in masks, all clapping, all cheering. And they're cheering for the patient who's going home and who survived. But you know what? They're also cheering for themselves because there weren't many victories early on in April and March and May of 2020. And they celebrated those victories because they know they were responsible for them. So despite all the dominance and negativism associated with COVID, uh, the early days of COVID were a tremendous story, story of Miracle Larry, um, who lived and is now um, out in the world um, telling his story. He got to meet Jessica. They've become fast friends. Um, and he's done great things with his experience. Uh, I think that He's an example that um, many people can learn from just by hearing his story. So now Larry has even more friends than he's ever had. He's always been everybody's best friend. He just happens to have been my best friend for the last 60 years since kindergarten. So this is a story of hope and dedication and faith and how all the great work of great hospital workers really do make a difference for patients. Come to Room Now live on Saturday. Take care.